The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator. Uh, and we just popped out of FSW, Joe DeFalco. There he is. Hey! Joe, how's things going, man? I don't know why my internet, man. You know, you pay the big bucks and this is what you get. <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> uh, luckily, today we are joined by uh, someone who does have good internet connection. Because. But everything you touch turns to gold, brother. So that's the thing. And that is John Morrison. Or as we know him here in Vegas, Johnny Mecca, who's coming back to Mecca this Sunday, the 26th at the Silver Nugget. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going great. It's been a, it's, well, as always in wrestling, it's a, been a busy week, month, year, last 20 years, <laughs> but also a really great last 20 years. And uh, things have been going great lately, too. And before we start, congratulations to uh, Taya for signing with AEW. Thank you. She is stoked. Uh, she flew out a little bit ago to to uh, Kansas City for uh, Dynamite tomorrow. Nice, nice. Um, Joe, let me ask you. Let's let's start kind of at the beginning. So, how did John get on your radar the first time you contacted him and and brought him into FSW? Well, that happened probably I think around 2012, maybe. Uh, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah, we had worked a deal with uh, the Casablanca in Mesquite. Uh, Lady Chrissy, she used to run the room at Samstown. And she got us in there. And then she went over to the Casablanca in Mesquite. And they were looking for some entertainment. I hit her up. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'd love to have a show and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, awesome. You know, what are they looking to do? And they were willing to pay us which was very rare in the wrestling business. And they said, we want to bring in some names. And I gave them a list. And on the list, they had Kevin Nash. They had, they had John. And those, these were the guys they wanted. And I remember calling John and I said, what was your price? Holy crap. And we went to Mesquite and I said, hey, this is the price. And they were like, okay and they gave us a check and everybody got what they wanted to get out of the deal john came in uh he wrestled in our main event against kenny king kevin nash wrestled uh tyshawn prince who was our champion at the time and dealing with john very early on you could tell that he was genuinely a good dude it wasn't like hey i got this fucking booking I'm going to be nice to this guy. No, this guy was as nice as nice can be. 
And then we started doing some stuff in Arizona and Shelton Benjamin and Johnny the Bull, the IWF was born and John worked the main event there and he worked Shelton Benjamin. Still wouldn't put him over, but he still did a great job. And, you know, but just dealing with him, he, he was one of the I easiest guys, <laughs> one of the easiest guys to deal with. You know, in wrestling, you know, you try to get promos, you have these bigger shows. And a lot of guys, they just kind of, okay, yeah, I'll get it to you. And you got to remind them five times. And there's probably, you know, a very small handful of dudes that I've dealt with that when I hit them up, they actually respond. They they do what they they say they're going to do for you. And, you know, if, if I had a rate, you know, had a Mount Rushmore of great wrestling people that I've dealt with, John for sure would be on there. That's a pretty nice compliment coming from, you know, Mr. Joe DeFalco there. Yeah, sure. uh, it's not going to get any better than this for me. You know, maybe I'm hoping a little lower rate next time for the, for the, for the plugs, you know. Oh, I see what you're doing. Good move. <laughs> well, you know, let me ask you, you know, coming out of the WWE, you're high profile. You know, you've, you've accomplished a lot at that point. What was it like for you to now take that brand that you have established, bring it onto the independent scene, but to still stay as down to earth as you are as a person? Because sometimes it's intoxicating and it's hard. Well, that's a big question. A couple of things. One, it's a, uh... It's a fine line in pro wrestling. Like if you believe your own hype, you're a douchebag and you treat people like crap. It's a tough, it's a tough business to be in because ultimately it's a collaboration and an art form. On the other hand, you have to believe in yourself and have confidence and buy some of your hype because if you don't, then you're, you're see-through and you're not interesting on camera. So it's, it's a balancing act. And for me, my whole life, my whole career, I've like fallen on the side of um, being too easy to work with, giving too much, I think constantly. And in some ways it's great because I have great relationships. And on the other hand, sometimes it's tough because when you deal with people that just take, um, you can get like in positions where you're like, shoot, how did I end up here? You know, I like uh, I gave too much from the get go. So finding that line and walking it while maintaining your integrity, I think is the, is one of the trickiest things about transitioning from company to company. And in wrestling, the one thing you can say is true is you're as good as your word and everybody talks. So right. it doesn't matter where I'm going or who I work for. I'm, I'm the same everywhere. And I try to like do what I say. That's a very valid point. And I think a lot of younger wrestlers could learn from that, you know, um, it's it's tough when you when you're coming into a situation where you know you're walking in and you get a chance to wrestle guys like a Kenny King or a Shutland Benjamin guys who are established guys that you kind of know a little bit. Is that simpler than say going into a match with you know guys who might be known in that particular company but haven't necessarily hit the national level yet for a guy like you? Is it a transition working with a little bit younger guys as opposed to guys who are established? A transition or is it simpler? Maybe, yeah. but like, you know, when you're working for a WWE or AEW or any of those big companies, the same thing comes up. 
I mean, when I started, I was the young guy that was getting mentored by by guys, including Shelton. And um, during my last run with WWE, I was I was wrestling guys that were 15 years younger than me, and and I was the vet, you know. And it just yeah. kind of depends on where you are. And um, simple is an oversimplified term <laughs> because right. everything is just like case for case, and um, you can't quantify wrestlers. Like everybody's so individual and original that it's it's just different for everything joe so what makes you then pick up on the fact that you like dealing with with john and you you know have been doing mecca and you start going hey man this would be a good idea of giving him the opportunity to be the mecca champion how did this kind of evolve into us getting to see johnny mecca and what happened to the Mecca Championship? We we talk about the Mecca Championship as a curse, which was a curse for me with FSW, but it wasn't a curse for the people who won it. You know, John won it, and right when we were ready to come back after the pandemic, John signed with WWE. So now we had to find a new Mecca Champion. And then I decided, hey, you know what? We got Cross. He had gotten released. He's our hometown guy. We're going to have him wrestle Jacob Fatu. He literally wins the Mecca Grand Championship. And then within two months, he resigns with the uh, WWE. And the funny thing is, initially, we didn't have a Mecca Grand Championship. We had a trophy that John got when he won. I and, remember the trophy. <laughs> yes. I think we also used it for like some other uh, gimmick. It ended like, up getting broken over somebody's head or something. But Chris, Chris Bay had a guy who made belts and he made the new Mecca belt, which is fantastic. But John never got it because the guy had like a breakdown and we paid for the belt. And it's like, dude, I need the belt or give me the money back. It's been like a year and a half. And then he finally got the belt. So we're like, you know what? We got to put it on somebody. And then we put it on cross and then he brought it to the, uh, the Ric Flair retirement match because he wrestled, I think, Harry Smith, and he had the belt, and he was taking pictures of the meet and greets, and it was great. And then it was like two weeks later, he was signed, and he had to mail the belt back. And then it was like, Jesus Christ, this is the, the, we've had this champion for years, and we've had like one match, and that's when Cross actually won the belt. So no Mecca champion has ever walked down the aisle with the belt around his waist. So on Sunday, Chris Bay will be the first person to actually wear the belt. But John has never lost the belt. There's a, there's a lot there's a lot going into this match. It's um, crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've wrestled Chris several times, but never in a singles match. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's one of the most talented dudes I've I've seen out there for a, for a long long time, and um, I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Um, you know, when we crown when we crowned the Mecca Grand Champion, we had an uh, an eight man tournament, and then we were going to go to a final four way elimination match. And uh, John, I believe, beat Shane Strickland in the first round. Uh, Chris Bay beat Scorpio Sky, who had his Apollo Creed outfit that was still fantastic. one of the best entrances yeah. ever. Uh, Teddy Hart beat PJ Black, and then Teddy got hurt before the main event. 
And then Brian Cage beat uh, – I forgot who Brian beat. Whoever Brian beat. So they did the three-way because Teddy Hart was unavailable. And I say it to this day, Chris Bay was known in the, to the FSW fans. But John and Brian went over the – you know, a hundredfold to make Chris Bay the star of that match. And I've always had the ultimate respect for those guys – for doing what they did because they were always trying to make stars. And it's the same thing with Brian Cage. You know, he's always looking to have the best match and he'll bump his ass off for Eli Everfly. It doesn't matter. He just wants to have the greatest match he can have. I remember he had heat for, for doing that to Delilah doom and uh, Eli Everfly at bar wrestling that he got heat from impact at the time because he was the world champion. And they said it made him look soft. But these guys have come in. They come into our hometown. Same thing with Cross before we had the title. And and John put Kevin over, at, you know, in the middle of the ring. And and Kevin, these guys, fortunately, John likes Kevin. John likes Chris Bay. So th- there's a different dynamic going into that match. It's people who have a lot of respect for each other. So by and large, I like almost everybody in the, in the wrestling business. Well, there's a few douchebags we know, but other than there's always a few douchebags. Yeah, there's, there's some outliers, but by and large, like I said, it's hard to make it in wrestling. If you are one of the outliers because your reputation spreads and people don't want to work with you. Yeah. And to go back on your question, Matt, about when was the realize, I'm not sure. It might have been when Kevin Kleinrock and Ruben did that lucha thing uh, at the yeah. uh, at the at the Westgate. Like that it was like, lucha, no, that was uh, yeah. Lucha Expo One. Yeah, it should have been called like the Ultimate Disaster. It was like every major superstar oh. from lucha to everybody that was there, and it was like unbelievably poor turnout. But I remember talking wow. to Taya and John, and that's when we got Taya in. She became our first women's champion. Not her first. She became the women's champion. Right. And I remember Sammy Callahan originally we were going to have as the Mecca Grand Champion. And then I had talked with John, and he was, you know, very interested in, you know, being around a little bit. So it's like we made the switch. And I, I think to this day, Callahan's a little butthurt that uh, – oh, really? Yeah. I got to talk to Sammy about that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why he didn't show. He was scheduled to wrestle, and Chris Bay took the spot because Sammy Callahan won a two-day tournament at Warrior Wrestling to win their big thing. And then he hits me up. He's like, oh, hey, bro, I'm pretty banged up. I had like four matches. Uh, is, is it cool if I take this one off? I'm like, yeah, we're good. Save the cash. Oh, dang, that's cool. I didn't uh, know that. I love Sammy though. No, so, yeah, I, me too. You know, yeah. we worked with him last year. It was great. Yeah. You know, we love Sammy Callahan. Well, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to this Sunday. Uh, Joe, Matt, um, really great talking to you guys. Perfect. I've got like a second training sesh coming up. So I'm going to peace Absolutely. out. Stuff. Absolutely, brother. We appreciate you taking the time and definitely uh, just go out there and kill it with Chris because, you know, Again, first match with him singles. It's going to be yeah, fire. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's a great man. way to open up the show. You know, why not have that as the curtain jerker, as the Mecca Grand Championship? You know, damn right. Been a hell of a way to get me on that red eye flight back to LA. Yeah, no, I, 
Yeah, you're you'll you'll be fine. It's 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 an eleven p.m. flight. You're good. All right. So All not right. first. Which is live negotiating this time. <laughs> There's a nine p.m. that flies into Burbank. Did you see that? I did not. Hey, you know, at the price the that I got, boy, I, I wish I would have looked at that one. Maybe it was cheaper. <laughs> you know, I could have got right. you on a really, really I inexpensive know. flight at five fifty a.m. You know. Woo. So, All right. Well, hey, um, you need a ride from the airport. Um, let's talk about it later. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Go do your training. All right, train for Ben. All right, Johnny, take care of yourself, man. <laughs> All right, Joe. So obviously, we know that uh, that is set up to be uh, a phenomenal uh, main event, or uh, or we might see Johnny Curtain Jerker. So <laughs> not nah, that. Um, that, that that for no doubt is definitely the main event of the night. So, so uh, speaking of uh, at this point, uh, since it's a couple days away, uh, what is going to be the opening match of the show? Uh, the scramble. Right now, all I have penciled in is match number one and match number eight. <laughs> And always got to start off with a good scramble. We got the 15-year-old, the young prodigy, Bodie, uh, Remy Marcel. We got Juicy. We got Jacob Austin Young. And uh, we just added uh, Breath of Threat, making his Mecca debut. Nice. Uh, how is that for you when you get to see a guy like Brett uh, finally break into a mecca because it's it's not an easy thing to get onto a, a mecca card no it, it is not and you know through the dynamics of that scramble you want that uh, that wrestler that people may not like to bring a dynamic because everybody loves Bodie you know everybody loves Remy Marcel Jacob Austin Young you know Juicy's got his fans so having that pure heel in there, uh, you know, working against the odds against yeah. guys that he has had numerous opportunities with when you're talking Bodie and Remy Marcel. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on that way. And I feel for what we're looking for in that match, again, there were other options. There was a Devin Reno. There was a class, Jordan Cruz. I just felt that as the homegrown guy that Brett the Thread is, who's worked very hard to get to a very good level, that this would be an opportunity for him to uh, shine. Because in all honesty, there's been a lot of storylines going on. And again, no fault of anybody's, but you know, Brett has taken other bookings and hasn't been around all the time. And when things were being set up, you know, unfortunately, this is this is the opportunity he's going to get. And hopefully it could lead into something, you know, uh, story-wise down the line. Yeah, uh, it's a great opportunity and uh, should be an exciting scramble match. Um, with Actually, one of the things I have to give you credit for is that when you look at the scrambles you typically put together, there is not one person you could point to to say that that's pretty much the clear favorite 
to win the scramble match. Are you saying so, we do not have the weakest link? I, yeah, exactly. I, it's it's phenomenal because I mean, look at that as a as a fan watching that. Then you're investing. Plus, I like the fact that you have a number of crowd favorites in that match because then that really makes me want to choose. You know, well, am I am I really more of a Bodie guy or am I more of a you know, a Jacob Boston young guy. Right. And, and it, it also makes a guy like Remy, who is kind of maybe mentored, uh, yeah. you know, tag teamed with Bodie, the young kid, you know, he's going to have to go at it with him a little bit. And, yeah. you know, is it going to be the Wiley vet or is it going to be, you know, the young up and comer? Because, yeah. you know, this is Bodie's probably first main card Mecca. You know, he, he's been in a couple, I uh, would think, at least one pre-show match. But right. this is his first opportunity to be into the bright lights. So, you know, let's see how he does. And and recently he teamed with Jacob Austin Young. Right. So there's a lot of love there. But, you know, love doesn't matter when it's a five-way scramble and you're looking for a victory that may be able to catapult you into something. Now, just thinking about this image, Bodie goes down on the mat, and Juicy goes down on top of him. Will we not see Bodie at all if Juicy covers him? Well, I'm wondering if we're going to see that uh, top rope moonsault from Juicy. <laughs> you know, flattening. You know, that alone's worth the price of admission to see if. If Bodie's going to come out of that match as a uh, buttermilk pancake. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, uh, again, Fight TV, you can catch this uh, $14.99, I believe. Uh, and uh, it is a 5 o'clock Pacific time show. So if you're on the East Coast, 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Um, with your uh, women's championship match, what is your expectations um, in putting together Johnny Robbie and Viva Van and knowing that they have a little history? Uh, I think they might even be wrestling uh, in Arizona the night before. So, like, th there's going to be some, you know, some uh, animosity going into this match from whoever loses that night before. Um is that something that you're looking forward to seeing if the two of them just bring that next level out of each other for this particular event? Well, you got to understand they, they have a lot of matches that they've wrestled each other in and the win loss record is, is, is pretty similar. So it's a right. pretty evenly matched matchup. And the thing is, most people say, hey, you know what? It's a first-time matchup. You know, there's a good chance that they don't know each other that well. Well, I would expect a superior match, being that they have been in the ring together so many times that they know each other's strengths. They know each other's weaknesses. So this should be a great back-and-forth matchup between, you know – two of, say, the top five 
women on the West Coast. Yeah. And, you know, Johnny Robbie is that up and comer. You know, she's what Viva may have been a year and a half, two years ago when we first used her. But as I said, I think Johnny is further along than where Viva was at the same time frame. And, you know, it's an important match for Johnny Robbie because right now Viva's considered one of one of the top women wrestlers not signed, period. So, yeah. you know, and we're fortunate to have Maserati, Rochelle Riveter, uh, you know, Johnny Robbie, and, you know, a few others that, you know, that we're looking at at, at bringing in. So... You know, this this is a big matchup. And, you know, the winner of this, AEW Weekend, is going to be awfully busy. AEW with GCW in town, you know, right. Alley Catch is going to be here. So Billy Starks is going to be here. So right. there's no doubt that they are going to have matches on an FSW influence show, whether it's FSW versus GCW, you know, whether it's just an FSW show or, you know, whether Joey wants to, you know, run another show that he's made mention of, uh, the observer will be here at in San Antonio where I've already gotten Alice Blair and Maserati and, you know, Rochelle's trying to work out a schedule. So Ed generally runs a show with a lot of good female talent on it. So there's going to be a lot of work going on that weekend and we're still preparing it. We got the future legends. We, we, we've signed up a bunch of people for that, but you know, again, the main focus is Mecca. You know, we got eight matches and you know, be able to, Oh, this is the best Mecca. You know what? All the Meccas are really good depending on the different styles that you're looking for, you know, in the past, maybe we lacked some of that indie buzz that we're bringing with Effie against Jay Vidal. You know, right. that's that's a big match for Jay Vidal. You know, he he looks at Effie as, you know, being very proud and excited that he got to be working WrestleMania weekend in the past for the gay brunch. So right. now it's Effie is in Jay Vidal's home court. So that's going to be a little different. We got a monster four-way tag bringing back the unguided for this one because we think they fit perfectly in with the Gates of Agony and TBD and uh, Tito and Shay, the Wolves Zaddies. Then, yeah. And then we've seen the promo wars going on, the faction against faction, Lights, Camera, Faction, and Team Filthy. And, you know... For anybody who knows any history of FSW, the 1%, Royce, Isaacs, and Jarrell Nelson, they were put together because of me. I put them together. Right. I said I need a tag team. You know, I've said it before. You know, we had four or five tag teams go to China, and we lost our tag team division. And I said, guys... You know, you guys are kind of not that they were floundering, but they were kind of in random spots with where with no direction because I didn't have any for them. But I thought I could have a direction for them as a tag team. And these were two guys that all of a sudden became workout partners, 
best friends traveled together, you know, wrestling all over the country together and hooked up with Tom Lawler, who went back into wrestling and started by training back at FSW. So there's a lot, you know, people could look at them as, oh, yeah, New Japan team, whatever. They're FSW motherfuckers, you know. Tom Lawler didn't start wrestling again till he wrestled at FSW and started training again after the UFC uh, career kind of went awry. And Royce and Jarrell became two-time FSW tag team champions. And then they went over and they, you know, would get to wrestle guys like SoCal Uncensored and all the best tag teams and won titles everywhere, the five, PCW. And these guys really took and ran. You want to talk about those guys are probably the most that you could say ran with something because these were two guys that barely even knew each other. Yeah. And it's no different with Tito and Che. Tito and Che were Santino guys, but Tito was teaming up with uh, Rico Dynamite all the time. But we had used Che, and I felt they would be a good tag team. And all of a sudden, they're the tag team. So, and unguided, I had told them beforehand, man, you guys would be a great tag team. I put them together for Conan and AAA. So, they obviously got together on their own, but it was after, you know, titles were lost that they were put together. So, it's almost the Joe DeFalco tag team invitational because Toa never worked for anybody before he worked for me. Man, I'm patting my, I'm Barry Horowitzin right now. I'm, I'm, you know, so all I need to do is put Juicy in that match if I didn't have Khan, and it would have been the truly the Joe DeFalco Tag Team uh, Invitational. I was just going to say there was only one man in that match that you can't claim anything because this is, if I'm not mistaken, Khan's first time wrestling for FSW, right? Yes, it is, and uh, we had tried to get him. Uh, a couple of months ago uh, for the Against All Odds Rumble uh, where we had Toa on the show. And, uh, you know, one option at that time was the Gates of Agony against TBD, you know, for the tag team titles. And then instead we went with, uh, which was actually before, yeah, I guess it was Against All Odds, was Carlito and Masters. So, you know, TBD. Another team. I basically forgot about that. I put them uh, together. That we they they did the thing in the Halloween gimmick battle royal where they acted like the APA, and it was like, man, these guys got some great chemistry. If the opportunity arises, and it arose, and and I put them in, and and they gelled up until recently, but you know that the tag teams is what I've created because I was a fan of tag team wrestling. And most people, when they train to wrestle, they aren't like, oh, man, I can't wait to be in a tag team. No, you want to be a star. You can't be a star. It's we and not me. So, you know, a lot of times it's hard to convince somebody. And that's why the respect goes out to uh, Royce and Jarrell, that they were willing – to initially 
take a step back and try to work as a tag team. But the dividends paid off huge because look at them now. And that's one thing I can't take credit for because I've put numerous tag teams together that shit the fucking bed. And why they shit the bed? Because they didn't want to be a tag team. They wanted to be on the show. So they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And they would train at our school, but they would never work together. Like, dudes, put some tag team maneuvers together. You know, do some things that stand you out as a tag team. That's why I'm a fan of the regulators. You know, they come out. They're kind of flashy. They do cool moves, but they work together. They're not working as two singles. They're not two singles guys in a tag. Right. And that's what I like about tag team wrestling. And I've been a fan, you know, it's funny on my radio show or the radio or the radio show I do, they had Bobby Fulton on the Fantastics on. And he's like, Oh, you got any questions? You know, you want to talk to Bobby? I'm like, No, not really. I hated those motherfuckers. I hated the Fantastics. I hated the Rock and Roll Express. Not that I like I thought the Fantastics were the Rock and Roll Express light, and I didn't like them. Because right. I love the Midnight Express, you know, from not Dennis Condry version, but Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton with Jim Cornette. That, that was my favorite tag team. Then the Hart Foundation, that was my favorite tag team of all time. So, you know, I was always into, you know, tag teams and watching, you know, the British Bulldogs and, and, and the Hart Foundation in matches. And when the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express and, and the, you know, Arn and Tully, the Horsemen, and I remember even the Ding Dongs that I liked, and the New Blood, uh, the New Breed. I remember uh, they were like they were trying to make them a new coming tag team, but one guy got fucked up. So I've always been the fan of a tag team. I've always been fan of managers because there's a lot of guys who have everything. They have the it factor, except they can't cut a promo and they they can't talk themselves out of a fucking you know paper box whatever it's called. And, you know, a guy like Bobby Heenan would come along and I'm pretty sure a lot of those guys in the, the Heenan R family wouldn't have gotten those main event matches with Hulk Hogan if they had to do it on their own. Yeah. You know, as, as good as Hercules and power and glory, another great tag team that I liked a lot. They kind of got put together and they had a lot of success. But Hercules, for a while, you know, he was a big time guy in the heavyweight division. So, you know, and I love tag teams. And and that's why on this match, my kid was like, oh, you know, the young guy did kind of weird in there. It's like, yeah, because we have three monster tag teams. You know, you want to talk about the bruiser weights, man, they're the polar opposite. And and that's what we need is, is that fourth team to go around and, and, and fly around and high flying moves and, and big, you know, off the top rope watching Vandegrift. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that four way, you know, that, that, that tag match is a big deal. You know, there's so much on the card that can possibly steal the show. Gregory Sharp and TJP, you know, how can that fucking be bad? You know, I, it's virtually impossible for that to be bad. That's uh, that is going to be uh, 
you know, the, the combination, what basically let's be honest, it's, it's a new Japan match essentially. I mean, the way those guys work, I mean, that's, <laughs> if you, if you really love, you know, that style, that, that mix of a little bit of high flying and some strong style in there, those two are just going to kill each other. <laughs> to be you know, total truth in this one gregory sharp was pissed off at me you know a couple years ago when we had the mecca and i remember he sends me a facebook message and it's like i want tjp and it was like bro it's already set you know douglas james won the limitless tournament he was getting the match well i want that match and it's like, well, I'm sorry you want the match. So two years or two, three years later, he's getting that match. So you know he's going to go out. But the thing is, three years ago, nobody would have been clamoring for the match right. the way they are today. Right. So, you know, sometimes good things come to those who wait. Gregory Sharp finally got over the hump. He has been one of our MVPs because we've had, we've had a few of the, I, I don't know if I have enough hands to count the MVPs of the guys who've been with us that have reinvented themselves and over 10, 12, 14 years, they are still main guys. Yep. You know, they're not in that position to be, Hey, all right, we'll throw you on the card. You can put over one of those young kids. You know, these guys are fighting and scrapping. And, you know, it's easy to look at the heavyweight championship and say, man, there's 10, 12 guys that if they had that match, I can believe as as the heavyweight champion. And that's and that's the thing that shows how great our roster is, you know, from beginning to end. So, again, we got to go look at the Mecca and look at the FSW guys or guys that I use on numerous occasions that we don't have from Mecca. You know, yeah. a Cutthroat Cody's not on Mecca. Uh, an Eli Everfly, who was ready to come back, just didn't really have something. Brandy Gatson, who, you know, always talk about. Jordan Oasis, who's had a big year. Yeah. You know, uh, talk about the tag teams, because we went with the four. So the sky highs of the world, you know, don't get in that, in that match. So... Right. You know, there's a lot of talented people. The heavyweight champions wrestling in a six-man with the yeah. tag team champions. Yeah. But nobody's looking at like, oh, my God, man, they're getting buried. No, they're working Team Filthy. It's a great fucking match. And it's I, like. For, for you, let me ask you about that. Uh, you know, how, how, how do you see it now with the fact that they work themselves and, and you know, obviously ice – has become the champion. Uh, but you look at Fresco, you look at Watson, uh, you look at what Braxton's done. They leveled up. Uh, you know, this past year, they've really took a step forward. You have to be very impressed with the fact that you could look at your roster and go, you know what? I can match those guys up now with a team filthy. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, when we were talking about the last Mecca, they weren't on it. And we ended up doing 
it ended up getting changed, but we did more like a Murder Inc. with Bateman, Funny Bone, and uh, who was it? Bateman, Funny Bone, and Cody uh, against Team Filthy. But because of the issues that arose, you know, that ended up not happening. Right. And Limelight ended up teaming up with 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 Lawler, and we did a, a tag match. But you would think if you're going to book a six man, but again, I didn't feel that they had earned that position to take away from other people just because they've been around, just because they're doing well. As I said, there's always pecking orders. And, you know, in a pecking order, there were times that the tag team champions didn't get on Mecca and the team they actually beat for the, for the tag titles were the ones who got on the Mecca because they were a younger team. TBD missed the Mecca and a big show where we put death proof in there. So just because you're the champion doesn't guarantee you something. So, you know, I do what I think is best for the Mecca show. And you know, in this situation, I think faction versus faction, that's got a lot of great appeal, man. You know, I, I posted it or Jake posted it and we literally got shit tons of views on on the Twitter uh, once that match was posted. Yeah. And more so than a lot of other matches that you may have thought would have more. So, sure. you know, again... It's a Joe DeFalco show. We got eight matches. We got a five-man scramble. We got a four-way tag. Uh, we got a triple threat match, the late addition for Kenny, who was scheduled to wrestle Sam Adonis in February at the Mecca until he got snowed in. Right. And we, we've been wanting to do Hammerstone and Adonis for a while, and now we basically made it, you know, a, a triple threat match of – you know, three major national promotions. Yeah. You know, we have the MLW champion. We got a guy in AAA who just won some big trophy and tournament, which guarantees him some big things. And Kenny King. You know, I couldn't tell you what the Ray De Reyes uh, victory got Sam Adonis, but I know it got him a lot of notoriety, and that's what's important. Right. So, you know, there's another interesting matchup as Hammerstone, first time back, you know, so we're excited. It's his first match back since uh, losing the uh, FSW heavyweight championship that he held for longer than pretty much anybody from longevity-wise as a three-time champion. Yeah. So, you know, hey, you never know. I could get a call that says, hey, bro, I'm in Vegas this weekend. You think you can use me? And I can say, sure, Matt Hardy. If you're here in town, I'll figure something out. You know, he is going to be in town come uh, AEW weekend. You uh, And from what I have heard, there's a little conflict on this, but I think Tony Khan is allowing some of the guys who are not working anything else to fly back out. So you know, they're going to have that downtime in between the taping on Wednesday and the pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, I mean, are you, are you going to try to get a, uh, a hearty, uh, 
I don't know. Uh, maybe I can, can I get Jungle Boy for the Future Legend tournament? <laughs> well, I you know you, at this point you probably have a better uh, chance of paying Matt's rate than uh, probably what Jungle Boy's asking now. <laughs> the way that he's nah, uh, tight, you know, he's he's good friends with Royce Isaacs. Royce brought him the FSW the couple times that we had him. That's right. Yeah. Um. When, you know, we, we, we talk in Mecca and we're talking AEW weekend, which is in May. When Mecca's over and before we hit that May weekend, uh, how much is going on for you in, you know, the, the rest of March and through April? Well, March, there's only going to be four days left, Matt. So uh, what do you think I'm going to do? Run a Tuesday show this week? Tuesday in Texas? <laughs> You know, hey, if you can get the taker, if you can get taker and throw the belt on him for one night, sure. Yeah, uh, we we have two big shows coming up. We got a, a high octane on uh, April fourteenth, and we're having a big show April thirtieth. It's going to be at the FSW Arena, but it's basically going to be treated kind of like a a pay per view show, Day of Reckoning. You know, we have things in place that we're looking forward to. And uh, I'm pretty sure almost every title is going to be on the line. So, you know, that's going to be a big event uh, on April 30th. And then we're going to figure out what we're going to do probably, you know, the, the first weekend in May. And then we go to uh, the AEW weekend. And it was a blessing that they decided not to do the taping on Friday, which kind of hurt us a little bit. And then we had venue issues to where uh, with the pay-per-view on Sunday and Rampage on Friday, you know, Saturday's the GCW day. Well, now, Saturday, we couldn't get the Silver Nugget or the Silver Tin or anywhere. So we were kind of stuck. So now that Friday has opened up as the main day and Saturday's the main day. So we got the Future Legends on Thursday. Still figuring out, talking with John, see if he wanted to do something here in Vegas. Uh, We got Friday. Pretty sure GCW will be announcing any time soon, probably after Mania. So you know they're going to be out here. I already know they're going to be out here. So they're figuring it out. You know, Friday probably the best option. So Saturday... Uh, the Observer, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, they'll be doing a 10 a.m. at the FSW Arena. Uh, Ed will be running a 12 o'clock, the Ed and San Antonio Women's Show, 12 o'clock on the Saturday. Uh, hopefully, we will have a partner run a 3 to 5-ish type show on Saturday. Uh, FSW, GCW. Uh, we've talked a little. We have not finalized anything. But the idea initially would have been to do it Sunday at 12 noon like we did SummerSlam. Right. But now that Saturday at our arena is wide open, why wouldn't right. we take it? Which right. now also leaves open a, a Sunday afternoon. If Joey wants to do something or somebody else wants to do something, then we can figure it out. But the idea is Thursday hopefully two shows Friday, hopefully two shows at the nugget Saturday, a Q and a 
which would be the fifth event. Ed at the sixth event. Three o'clock, a seventh event. Seven thirty, eight o'clock, our event. Seeing if Joey Janela wants to do a midnight show or Effie wants to do a brunch the next day. So we're sure. talking 10, 11 shows, and that's not even counting AEW, right. the two events. But that's, a, you know, a minimum of 9 to 12 events between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So, Yeah. Yeah, no, bring, it's... You know, bring your pocketbooks. Yeah, well, that's... That's the whole thing. Uh, you know, it's it's a great uh, you have to you have to give credit for the wrestling fans who come in for the AEW uh, weekend here in Vegas because of the fact that they are willing to spend. This is, you know, one of their big weekends. And uh, it's just phenomenal to see uh, people, you know, take that much enthusiasm and put that much money into uh, independent wrestling, um, you know, considering that they're already putting the money into what they're going to be seeing with AEW. Uh, so that's phenomenal to see that kind of support coming in from all over, not only this country, but I think this this year is the first time uh, since the first Double or Nothing, right, that it's been now open for most of the countries overseas to come in too correct yeah but you gotta understand this one is going to be very interesting because last year wrestlemania was in texas so you didn't have a lot of that west coast feel you know people went out of course they go through all over the country but right. now how are the people from vegas arizona california washington when WrestleMania has a million things going on. Right. And now we're talking six weeks later on the same coast, except in Vegas, which is a four hour drive. It's going to yeah. be interesting to figure out if these people are going to be able to afford going to do everything, which again, it could take a big hit on us because everybody's yeah. putting their eggs in the basket for May but, hey, how about all the thousands of dollars people just spent in March? You know, they're also well, going to AEW. So are they going to have funds? Are they going to have room? You know, maybe I talk with everybody and say, hey, let's run a big special deal for general admission for all the shows. You know, sure. things like that to where, you know, breaking it down to 10 or $15 a show may seem crazy. But if you're doing all those shows, hey, you know what? Man, I can go to 10 shows for 150 bucks. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you know, if you miss two, you don't care. Right. Because you're still getting all this. So it's going to be interesting to see the packages and all the other stuff. Because, again, GCW is going to do their own thing. But when we did it last year as the full tilt, we did offer, you know, a, 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 a full tilt package that right. included the, the events that happened at silver nugget so we had us in revolver black label pro gcw and the revolver show so i believe we did the four events uh there and instead of you know it was a good deal because gcw probably charged 40 at the door general admission it might have been 30 
but I think you got the four tickets for a hundred bucks or, or 80 bucks or something like that. So, you know, people took advantage of that, save a few dollars because they sure drank well. They, they, they sure lined up from Matt Cardona and everybody in that GCW, those lines. I couldn't believe the line from Matt Cardona. So those people were coming, they, you know, cash in hand. Uh, yeah. and nowadays, who's got the square? Who's using the credit? You know, GCW, they're running later that night. And earlier the day, they're doing a fan fest for AEW that just to walk in the door was 40, 45 bucks. Yeah. And like, you know, the low card guy was a $25, you know, photo. Yeah. And the more expensive, you know, I, I knew they did like a, a Jeff and Matt Hardy where it was probably 80, 100 bucks. But there were lines and the elite and the, and the bucks. Yeah. So people, it's like NASCAR, you know. Yeah. Many years ago, NASCAR, oh, you know, they're a bunch of rednecks. They're trailer park. They got no money. And eventually, everybody realized that wasn't true. The crazy right. thing is, people who don't like wrestling, that's still their perception of wrestling. Oh, yeah. poor trailer park trash. They got no money. It's like you do know they spent like $800 for front row at WrestleMania because they got a chair with it. You know, and they they went to the meet and greet or the people that are going to pay 500 bucks or 300 bucks to take a picture with the undertaker at his show on Friday night. Did you did you just did you say 800 bucks for a front row WrestleMania? Because if if you got an 800 bucks seat for front row for WrestleMania this year, I'll gladly buy it from you. Oh, is that right? I, I didn't know. I was oh, I was going to say like. At least a thousand fifteen hundred, but then I'm like, nah, it can't be that much. It's they, they, I think, from what I remember, uh, just having a conversation recently, some of those front rows were three thousand, and that's retail. Well, that's the markup from the people because it's so no, 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 that was retail, that was the WWE price of those front row tickets, three grand for, for the seats. So they 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 definitely have uh, figured out the way to make those prices creep up, and people are still paying them, which is <laughs> remarkable. Um, but speaking of WrestleMania, uh, since you know we know now that she's going to be uh, on the uh, card for the uh, Saturday morning show for NXT, Zoe's getting that chance at that ladder match for the uh, NXT Women's Championship. Are we finally going to see them pull the trigger? Uh, I'm not sure a positive it's going to be because I, I just saw that Roxanne Perez got cleared. Ooh. I just wow. read that. Uh, no. Wow. And it was a pretty reputable site, wrestlinginc.com. Huh. You know? That's so I don't know. Yeah. You know, that whole story has been very, very odd. Well, from what I read today, uh, one of the stories I read is that there is there was some other type of issue going on. Uh, wasn't disclosed what the issue is, but it was used as a cover. You know, the, the angle was used as a cover story to protect whatever that was that she's dealing with. So if she did get cleared, um, then that's going to be interesting because... Will it be, well, would she be in the match or will, yeah. I, 
I don't know. I don't know. Do you, I mean, let's 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 compare to to uh, very talented young women, Roxanne Perez or Zoe Stark. Who would you say is the more complete talent right now? Well, of course, I'm going to be prejudiced, and I'm going to pick the person who I know and I train with, and uh, her famous trainer husband has put me over numerous times, Tom Howard, of course yep. I'm going to say. So, yeah, I'm reading it here. It says, Roxanne Perez reportedly cleared to return to action in WWE NXT. Hmm. So. Think, because, you know what? You know, but it's the same thing with the Bray Wyatt story, you know, that, oh, right. it was creative. Oh, wait, it's not creative. He's he's having some health issues. Right. Because I, it was hard for me to believe. It was like, how did he get hurt physically? He's only had one match in six months. Right. Yep. Okay. There'd be qualifying matches so far. The two. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it, it didn't really say anything other than the reports have been, been vague. And who knows? So I guess uh, probably in the next week or so, we would probably know more. You know, I, I hate when that happens. I remember when they stripped CM Punk and he's gone from the company and they have a tournament. And before the tournament is even over, CM Punk's back in the company. It's like, right. oh, okay, so why isn't he still the champ? Right. And I believe it was like when Rey Mysterio may have gotten it or something for like a week or, or whatever it was. I don't remember. Yeah. But it, I understanding, uh, you, you know, it's hard these days of, and you got to blur the lines. But there's so much information out there that, you know, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about the fact like, okay, in the past, WWE wouldn't release anything. You know, now because of social media, they feel they have to come up with a story, whether it's real or, or, or fake, but they feel that right. it's necessary to go on Twitter and there is necessary, you know, or to comment because Braun Strowman said something, they have to now cover it up or, hey, let's make them a tag team now because he was burying guys like Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like now they're doing now they're 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 reacting to things instead of just doing what they feel is best. Like with the bloodline, they you know they did what they did, and despite everybody wanting Sami Zayn to win, they understood that Roman Reigns has to go into WrestleMania as the champion. You know, right. as great as the Sami Zayn story is, and it was. And that's not easy to say about the WWE product at all. Right. And, you know, now all of a sudden everything I'm seeing is they're comparing Batista and uh, Triple H to Sefa uh, and Roman Reigns. And Sefa is going to be the guy, not Jay or Jimmy. It's going to be Sefa who's going to turn and take out Roman Reigns. And it's like, well, at this point, if Cody Rhodes beats him, does it matter? You know, it's the guy who knocks the guy off the shelf. Well, not the not the second guy who knocks him off the shelf. But the question is: is does Steph uh, basically cost him 
the title in some way, and then you know you go from there. But I hope not. I hope that the WrestleMania main event of the final day doesn't come down to something like that. And again, it, it could because in the old days WrestleMania wrapped everything up, and now everything is the Raw after WrestleMania, and all of a sudden you got uh, five rematches from what you just saw and right. you know paid sixty dollars on pay-per-view for to see the same rematches over and over so well you don't have to pay 60 bucks anymore you just pay that peacock uh five bucks there you go I, I got an offer in the mail today i was you know i, I took the other offer you know put it in the wife's name because it was a dollar 99 a month you know i had to get oh commercials over, whatever dollar 99 a month and they actually beat the price they sent me to my my email because I had it first, and I was like, I'm paying $9.99 a month. Why wouldn't I pay $1.99 a month? So they were offering me Peacock for the year for $19.99. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I haven't that seen that. Save me $5.01 over the year. <laughs> but I got to check because if it's $19.99 and it's no commercials, then it's really worth it. Well, see, that's what I think that, like, that's what it should be, right? Because if you're really trying to get people in like that and, and hook them in, yeah, wouldn't you give it 20 bucks, no commercials for the full, full year? But yeah, you know, it's funny. I got rid of cable and the direct TV, and it's like I got Paramount and Showtime because you put them together so you get a package deal. Got right. the Hulu. I got the Netflix. I got the, uh, the Peacock. Uh, I just got stars for 20 bucks for six months. Got to catch up on my power ghost book two and the raising Canaan and stuff like that. Uh, I got Apple TV. Apple TV has got a lot of good stuff. Like I can't believe how much TV I literally watch. I got like 20 streaming services. Which is hysterical because then you start adding this stuff up and it's like, Oh, so essentially it's cable again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's cable, but it's stuff that I want to watch. Right. It's now it's a la carte, which cable never figured out that that was the way to do it. And I couldn't yeah. get cable and get Paramount Plus. I couldn't get cable and get Apple TV. So in reality, who really cares? You know, how yeah. much can you watch and pay for the history network? I guess if you're into it. But I wouldn't pay for it. Well, Joe, you know, and it, I got this, and I got Disney. Disney, of course, because the Hulu. Yeah. And did, did you get? Did you get the ESPN Plus too? And oh, I did now. I, I re, because the price, my yeah. Disney, it was crazy. I got Disney for like three years when it first came out beforehand, and they offered this deal that was like unbelievable. Right. Like literally unbelievable. I think it was like $4 a month or $3 a month if you paid for it for the three years. Yeah. ESPN Plus is garbage. You know, it's like I couldn't get any of the NFL games. Yay, they got the XFL games. So I go to sit and watch the XFL games and curse at how bad the fucking quarterbacks and the coaches are. I'm watching the Vegas team. MK's at the game. So I'm watching it. There's literally 50-something seconds on the clock. Okay, 50 seconds. <laughs> and it's second down. They got one timeout left. Okay, 
He throws on second down. Incomplete. Okay. Now it's third down. He runs. They stop him. They call a timeout. There's 48 seconds left. If they would have ran the play, there would have been eight seconds left. Okay. So now the brainiac that Rod Woodson, great one, great NFL football player, right. they kick a field goal to go up six with 40 seconds to go. Rod Woodson accepts the penalty. It's still fourth down. So he goes for it on fourth and two. What does he do? He throws again, incomplete. Now, he gives them the ball only down by three with 40 seconds to go. And, of course, the, the clock stops on a first down, incomplete pass, whatever. They still won the game. But it was like, man, you gave them every opportunity. Now, first off, the game would have been over. You would have had eight seconds left, and they would have had to score a touchdown. Right. Instead, they had 44 seconds. And they had to score a touchdown, but you you took the penalty. So now you only had them to have a kick a field goal to tie the game to go into overtime. Like, right. I cannot believe that there was nobody on the sidelines that's like, I can't believe MK didn't jump out of the stands and say, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like, a peewee football coach wouldn't make that mistake. <laughs> I swear I could coach that team better than he could. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. It is uh, atrocious. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get Rod Woodson to the FSW arena. Well, what's funny because MK hit me up after I told him, like, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life, and I don't even like watching it. It was like, it's on. Let me watch it. He's like, hey, just so you know, there's a Rod Woodson meet and greet on Friday, and I'm like, yeah, ah. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay two cents for that guy's meet and greet. Like, is he going to tell me how horrible the coach he is? That guy's blown like four leads in the last three minutes because of his stupidity. Hey, you know, like, we're. They could have got the first pick in the XFL draft and got Johnny Manziel next year. Yeah. Hey, that would have been. Uh... <clears throat> or, or they could have gone with Johnny Mecca and uh, brought it home right now as we're going to bring it home. With uh, Mecca coming up uh, this Sunday, the 26th. Um, yes. With Johnny, the, na- the man of nine million names, as his wife said. <laughs> hey, you know, it's a, being, being that Taya is now with AEW, uh, there's a good chance we'll see Johnny Dark. So that would be interesting. Huh? Johnny Dark debuted last year on uh, Dark. Because <laughs> he was in town and we were talking. He actually went and trained with... Uh, with Bay at the facility. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know we have we have a we have a tight knit a tight knit uh, acquaintanceship I would call it because I wouldn't call it a friendship. It isn't like, hey John, you want to come over for dinner? You know, type of thing like that. But but he's always you know as I said, super super cool to talk to. You know, yeah. I'll tell you what. When I told him 20, 30 minutes, he knew exactly when it was twenty after. He <laughs> he slid right into the I'm got to go training. <laughs> Yeah, hey, it's it's all good, and uh, we appreciate him coming on. And uh, you know, the match with him and Bay is going to be spectacular. So if you can uh, come down to the Silver Nugget, get your tickets now. Uh, Please come down. 
yeah, you can get tickets at the door. Again, it's 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Coast time start. Uh, Pre-show starting at 4.30? Uh, well, we're actually going to have a pre-show match. We're, that's all we're really going to do. Yeah. So we will have a pre-show match starting at probably 4.40 because we want to make sure, you know, yeah. that way there isn't any issues as to why uh, the show didn't start on time. Because right. you know, Fight TV expects the the feed for the main show to start at five. So, yeah. So uh, again, order it on Fight TV. Uh, if you can't get down to the Silver Nugget, or if you are out of town, uh, you know it's going to be a solid show. We've covered all the matches and uh, got you already. So uh, all there is now is to. Uh, cross your fingers that everyone's travel and everyone's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we can get a seventy degree day next week. Uh, you know, it's uh, it'd be great. Ridiculous. But, but Joe, seventy degree day on a Sunday, are people going down to the show or are they now, you know, staying outside? Of course, they're so going maybe, to the show. I just want a nice day. If you weren't going to the show, it don't matter if it was 70 or 50. You weren't going to the show. <laughs> there you go. That's why you're the businessman, and I'm not. You know, everybody wants to, you know, have a million different reasons why things are. You know, nobody really knows. You know, all of a sudden, we think we have a light show, and then all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, we got to get more chairs. Like, why? I don't know. Because sometimes it feels like walk-up is terrible. And yeah. we're relying on the thing. And then all of a sudden, it was like, even at the last show, it was like, man, I was watching the, the tape of the very first match. Uh, and it was uh, Remy in class. And I'm yeah. looking, and you can see the light coming in because it's still 5 o'clock. It was still light enough uh, at the Nugget. But you could see because the chairs are, are white, so it looks crappy. But there was right. like, wow, man, there's a lot of empty seats. And all of a sudden, you're looking at match four, and it's like, wow, there's no empty seats. So, yeah. it, you know, it's crazy. So get there. You know, we we got some front rows still available, not a ton. You know, we probably got, you know, upwards of 10 or 15. So we try to keep them for our regulars. But, you know, we've learned we've kept them the last minute, and it's cost us. So, so once we get, we get there, we get them. And hope you're going to come by and pay for them. So, yeah, you know, the world. You know, if you're if you're a person who comes to all our shows and has never had that issue, well, then I'll save that ticket for you. But there's a bunch of them who like, oh yeah, I can't make it, and you know, that doesn't help us. You know, this this right. this show is real expensive. <laughs> you know, as much as I love Johnny Mecca, he's not cheap. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, uh, that's a good uh, a good way to end it uh, today because, uh, you know, if you think about it, uh, again, supporting uh, FSW, supporting independent wrestling is uh, a very important thing. And uh, one of the reasons is because of talent like John Morrison, uh, you know, he's got to get paid what he's worth. And, um, you know, to, to see a guy like that up close, to see him wrestle a guy like Chris Bay, um, 
you know, and and also that means the world to Chris Bay to wrestle a guy like John Morrison. So, you know, you're you're helping out these guys and uh, supporting independent wrestling is a very important thing, and uh, and it it ain't it ain't making Joe DeFalco any more richer. That's for sure. For for sure. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and until next week, we'll see you guys.